Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Solar Surge podcast. And this morning, I've got another special guest for you here, uh, Julian Todd Borgen. Did I pronounce that right? You did, yeah. All right. You did. And uh, if you don't know him, then you must not be on YouTube because he's got some of the most popular solar videos on YouTube. And so, Julian, thanks for sitting down with us for the podcast. Really looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I I came across your videos, I think, before I even started my, my YouTube channel. And, um, you know, for those of you who maybe haven't seen him, but he does some of the great whiteboard videos, product comparisons, solar panel. I think that was what I saw was one of your solar panel comparison videos where you just kind of had everything broken down on a, on, a, uh, on a whiteboard. Here's the wattage, here's the STC, here's the temperature coefficient, and, you know, just kind of getting right to the facts, ma'am, for the homeowner. So uh, I guess if you don't mind, for those that don't know you, how, how did you get started in solar? Uh, well, I would say about seven or eight years ago, coming out of college, you know, trying to enter the real world, not really knowing what I wanted to do exactly. I studied business and I knew I cared about sustainability and the environment, but didn't really know, you know, how, how to enter into that world and make a difference. I ended up eventually um, taking what's called a permaculture design course, which is essentially the science of living sustainably on the planet. Uh, it involves not just energy, but, you know, food production, Uh, how to, you know, build sustainably, farm management. There's multiple different aspects of it. Um, I realized after the fact that being from San Diego, I am in probably the the number one hottest market um, in the whole country. And so I thought, oh, well, I'll, you know, go after the energy production side of permaculture. And that's how I kind of became interested in solar. And um, here we are seven years later. And uh, I would say... Uh, I've done probably about a, a thousand installs in wow. six or seven years. So yeah, just trying to make, you know, a lot of these salespeople have the goal to make a million dollars. I want to do like a million systems, you know, cause I, I, I more gauge success off how many panels I've actually put on roofs, mm-hmm. you know, so that, that's been my goal. Okay. Well, that's yep. great. That's great. So why, why did, why YouTube? Why did you decide that you wanted to take your message to the marketplace through YouTube as opposed to. I mean, as you know, there's many different models, advertising, door-to-door. Why why did you decide that YouTube was going to be your way of of reaching out to the marketplace? Well, I mean, I kind of stumbled upon it on accident. Um, I tried door knocking. You know, maybe I got a few deals here or there, but I just, maybe I'm just not the best door knocker, but I never was able to make it work. Um, The YouTube videos were not not made at first to be seen really by anyone except for people that I'm sending the videos to directly. Um, as a solar consultant who is having the same conversation, you know, 10 times a day, right? We, 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 we kind of answer the same things over and over. And I simply got tired of repeating the same things, you know, every day over and over. And I thought, hey, you know, if someone asks me this common question, why don't I just send them a video that I've made that explains everything in detail? And you know, now I don't have to hop on the phone and deliver it in a subpar way compared to like an, an artfully crafted video that I know hits every point and explains it correctly. So I really just made the videos to save myself time. And then I guess YouTube decided that it was going to start pushing it. And then then it became a lead generator after the fact. But it originally was just made to save myself time. That's great, man. That's yeah. great. You know, when I started, it was actually kind of a similar, a similar thought process because I didn't know what to talk about. So a lot of the videos I would make were just frequently asked questions that, that like when I was meeting face-to-face with mm-hmm. a homeowner, yeah. what are the questions that I would typically get? And yeah. I would just make like a video answer. Yeah. Um, 
to that. And that, that's kind of literally how I started. I started just like, like brainstorming. What were the frequently asked questions? Like if I had to train my sales team how to answer the questions you're likely to get in the mm -hmm. home, and then I just started making some videos on that. And uh, but but you 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 hit a wave of success though, because for me that didn't work. Like I, I would get a few views, but like you said, it was mainly like whoever I sent the video to directly mm -hmm. would watch it. It wasn't like YouTube picked it up as a hot video, but it was. Which, yeah. which one was yours? I think it was like some kind of like top five solar panels, or you know which solar panels are better. Which one of yours went super like super yeah, big distribution? Yeah, I made like a 2021 top solar panel comparison video, and okay. that was like the whiteboard video that I think you're talking about. And um, yeah, for whatever reason, the title, the thumbnail, the, the editing, it was, it was like the first video that I really made and focused on all the aspects of it. And uh, now it has over 100,000 views like a year and a half later. Um, so 100,000 isn't crazy, but in the solar space, you know, yeah. it's decent. Yeah, so, no, no. For us, yeah. for us, that's viral. I mean, my, my best video ever, I think, has 300,000 views. That's amazing. That's best one ever. Yeah. You know? I mean, so I mean, that's, that's amazing. You know, 100,000 is, is a great, great performing yeah. video. And um, yeah, and then and then just like um, once you get a little bit of traction, then, you know, more people view the videos that you've, you know, already put out. And then like the, the past videos even get a bump too. Right. So um, yeah, I, but I think the reason why it was so successful is because in my mind, I wasn't doing it as a sales video, you know, because no one wants to see some valueless video that's just some sales pitch. Another sales pitch, yeah. It's like, dude, like, if you get to the end of the video and you haven't learned anything, you've really kind of wasted the customer or, like, the viewer's time. So I always thought about, you know, if I was creating, like, a guide for my parents to go solar, right? You know, who doesn't want to give their parents the best deal possible? Mm-hmm. But if I couldn't be the salesperson and I had to give them a guide on how to pick the best system for them, what information would you give your parents or a loved one? So that's, that's basically the background thinking of what I do is I'm going to create videos that simply help someone that I love make the best decision. That's I mean, great. That's, it's, that's it. No secret. No, that's great, man. That, that's, that, that's a great approach. I really like that. I really respect that. Because, you know, that's one thing that I get watching your content is that a lot of the videos have this sort of this like, hey, buyer beware or like insider secrets, like, hey, what, what you need to know about how the solar industry really works or what you need to know about how solar really works. And just putting that information out there for consumers so that they're in a better position to make the best decision. So and, and I probably got a little bit lucky being in San Diego because in my market, I don't really need to do a lot of convincing you that solar makes sense. Most people in at least Southern California, by now, you know, maybe not five or six years ago, but by now, like I mean, it probably half the block has solar. And so like people are already accepting of it and they're more understanding of it, but maybe they just don't trust the guy knocking on their door or, you know, they get spooked by something like no one can explain whatever they're not understanding. So um, for me, I, I already knew that it was a hot market. And so for me, I was just thinking, how can I help navigate people towards making the best decision versus spending, you know, time trying to convince them that solar is what they need to do. So maybe if I was in another market, it would have been a little bit different. But um, in the last five years in Southern California, I mean, solar's it's like flying off the shelf. You know, you can't. Right, you right. Know, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. 
So, so how have things changed? Now, the video we were talking about, that was a 2021 video. Now we're here two years later. A lot, lot's changed, as you know, in the market. What, what are some things that you think homeowners need to know now, people that are considering making a solar investment now? What are some things that you think they really need to know before, you know, before jumping into a contract? There's so many. There's so many little things that you could potentially uh, need to watch out for. Um, the, the main thing is, you know, I'm going to probably speak to California market more, but, you know, we're really going more in the direction of the rest of the country. I mean, I would say that the average utility doesn't have a one-to-one -one net metering. It's more, it's, it's more a, like a special utilities only have that. So the main thing is, you know, now with storage being a, a big factor in all of this, it used to just be size it to 120% and you're done. Now it's like there's this whole more complex equation with, you know, how, how much excess is being produced, how much can the battery store, how much output does the battery have, um, can it actually power the loads you need during, you know, the evening or the night. So working with a solar consultant that is going to take all of those, you know, factors into account and take the time to actually size a system and build it for you. Because solar reps have had it way too easy the last several years with just... I mean, we, it's like, yes, we're doing some analysis, but really it's like plugging things into our computer and three minutes later we have the answer. I think that now with sizing battery storage, it, you know, it's going to require a little bit more legwork. And so working with a consultant that you can sense is taking the time and really asking you all of the questions in order to come up with a solution that's actually going to help you. Because it's one thing to you know, oversell someone. But in my opinion, what's worse is to sell someone something that doesn't end up doing what you said it was going to do. So um, there's a million little things that I could have said there, but... Uh, yeah, no, well, yeah. I, think, I think you're right. I mean, I, I, and I agree with a lot of the sentiment. You know, we've had it so easy for so long. Maybe not me. I've been a battery guy for a long time. But, yeah. but solar in general, as a sales professional, if you kind of learn the basic script, you could get by on that you know, and, and build a career and, and build a really high income for yourself just learning the basic sales script without having to get into battery calculations and all that. Um, what would you say to people that are new getting into the industry? You know, there's a lot of young guys get into our industry. Yeah. And frankly, you know, a lot of what attracts them is this, oh, there's this high income potential in solar. I want to get in and I want to, you know, you know, make a lot of money and all that. But maybe somebody who got into the industry on that kind of a premise, now they're realizing, wow, this is a lot more complex than I thought. Well, yeah. What advice would you give to that young sales rep who wants to be successful in this space? So what has made me successful and whenever I, whenever I see other people that have become successful, it's usually because they've gotten in tight with a really good mentor um, that is going to in person, you know, multiple days a week, be there to explain not just, a f you know, not just do a few lessons, but because really to learn this industry, it's not taking a few two-hour courses and then you're an expert. It's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of little conversations and aspects and facts and stats and specs you need to know. And so, you know, it's, it's tough for a lot of people. And I, I, I feel for them because I, if, if I didn't have a few of my mentors back five, six, seven years ago, it would have been hard for me to learn and fast-track my knowledge. So... Um, just don't focus on, you know, if you're a new rep, don't focus on trying to go make a bunch of sales right away. Yes, you want to put yourself out there and try, but more times than not, people will 
they don't have any idea what they're talking about. They'll find someone that's interested and then they don't know how to uh, navigate the conversation. And then it's a wasted opportunity. So yes, you want to go find people and try, but the best thing you can do is basically humble yourself in the beginning and, and allow a more experienced salesperson to essentially close the deal for you, do the consultation, and then you sit there and learn and just watch and absorb as much as you can. And I literally did that for 20, 20 deals where I just took my half and let someone else do it. And I just continuously learned more and more. And um, so basically get in tight and stay with someone that's already successful and is wanting to teach you. Because it's hard to do it on your own. Not to say that you can't, yeah, but it's, yeah. it helps a lot to have an in-person helper. Yeah, no, that, that's great. That's great. You know, and um, you know, again, a lot of people are attracted to the industry because of the earning potential, but you really have to be a professional to there's, earn that way. I mean, you have to know yourself. I mean, look, there's other ways, and you know, you know very more than anybody, there are unethical ways you can hit that income number, yeah. not, not by knowing your stuff, but just by kind of, you know, twisting things a certain way. But if you want to be well-regarded and have long-term success in this industry, I think you do have to take it as seriously as any other profession. Engineers, doctors, lawyers, they, they know their stuff. They study a long time to know their craft. Yeah. Solar is no different. I mean, you can probably get there faster, but I would say, yeah, a solid six months a year of just learning and then commit to continuous learning, which is you, why we're yeah. at shows like this because the technology is changing every year yeah. and the policies are changing. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't continuously, um, you know, stay up to the, up to date on the most recent news, I mean, you're, you're, you're doing the customer a disservice because, you know, we're, we're supposed to be proposing carefully crafted 20 to $80,000 systems on average. And I mean, if we steer the customer the wrong way, like, I mean, that's, that's a lot of money. It's not like, you know, it's a $50 item that you want to get a quick one and it doesn't matter if it's a useless product. Like this is, they're only going to do this once for the next 25 years. So making the best decision possible to, to me is going to not give them the best results. But like you said, you in a long-term sustainable business, I mean, if you, that's why the average rep is in this for seven months and then quits because, you know, they get homeowners mad at them and then they, they feel bad and they didn't even know what they were doing mm -hmm. most of the time. They didn't even know that they were misguiding them because they weren't trained. Right, right. Now, you know, another, another thing that I really am getting from the conference here today is that, you know, although we might be operating on the sales and marketing side of the business, you know, the other side of the business is the actual physical construction, you yeah. know, what we call EPC, engineering, permitting, construction. Um, it's all one business at the end of the day. We're all like, we all have to be successful together. Now, one of the things is, you know, is that a lot of these con contractors are going to be going out of business here soon. Yeah. You know, not managing their cash properly interest rates, you know, rising, things like that. So what, what do you think, what do you think that a, a young sales rep, particularly coming into this environment, what do you think a young sales rep needs to know about how the contracting side of the business works? Well, there's, there's multiple things, right? Um, it's, it's tough to like say, here's like one, you know, piece of advice, you know, cause there's, there's a hundred little scenarios that you need to truly understand. So you don't find yourself later in trouble or, you know, the contractor telling you this can't happen after the site survey or something. Um, when working with a, a contractor, I would say that 
I just always like to reverse engineer the, the process and put myself in the customer's shoes. So if, if, if you, as a salesperson, are trying to partner with the best contractor, EPC, it, I would go through the same process as if I was a customer looking for solar. You know, does that EPC have good reviews? Do they, you know, I would talk to other people to see their experience. Because there's a lot of these horror stories where these salespeople will, you know, work hard for six months, do 40 sales, and then their contractor decides to ghost them and they fire them or something and then they can't, they don't get paid. So, um, I've, I've been in a similar situation, not exactly that, but I've, that's happened a few times to me. So I would say before you get too, you know, too in bed, right, with one company, make sure that they're, they're truly legitimate and they're good to other people. Sure. Because it's not just, you know, screwing over customers that's an issue. It's, it's contractors basically taking advantage of their sales reps, which is really common. So... It may be tough to find a, a genuine good company to work with. And I'd say that's probably the biggest challenge because a lot of these solar, especially the sales organization leaders, a lot of them are just, they're greedy. And they, they see their potential to be the top of the pyramid and that's their goal. And they're not really focused on one individual rep's success. They're focused on how big can my whole organization become. Right, so, right. But, so understanding the true motives behind the EPC that you're partnering with will give you an insight to how the future is going to actually play out. That's great. And I'm glad you said it like that. And I guess it's, it's just like we might tell the homeowners, like, like you know, homeowners, I, I say a lot, like you, you can't shop for solar just on price per watt. It's no. not just a number. Solar <laughs> is not just a number. Absolutely not. And I would say same thing for a sales rep. If you're a sales rep looking for a contractor to partner with, don't just look at the red line. No. Right? I mean, what, what good is a low red line if you don't get paid, if the, if the jobs never get installed? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's so much easier to just offer high quality equipment with, with experienced installers, with, you know, healthy, financially backed companies that you know are going to, you know, be on that person's roof in two to four months doing the installation. Um, solar already saves you so much money. Like, if we're talking about saving you... Fifty to one hundred thousand dollars. What is really the difference between a thousand or two thousand dollars between like the you know cheap stuff and the high quality stuff in the long run? It's a lot of headaches that are being avoided, not only for the customer but also the contractors. The contractors having to go back and you know do multiple service like truck rolls, you know, for yep. replacements. I mean, that's how a lot of these companies go out of business. Yep. Um, so not. Not pretending to be doing the, the I feel like a lot of comp like reps, they, they pretend to be like, they have this attitude like they're doing you a favor by saving you a thousand bucks. And it's like really all they're doing is setting you up with a subpar system that still is very expensive. You're spending a lot of money either way. So you, better, you, you might as well have something that's nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, this is, this is you know, surgery on your home's electrical systems, the way I describe it sometimes. So you, yeah. don't, you don't want the cheapest surgeon working on your electricity. You know, I mean, you wouldn't no. shop for a doctor that way. You wouldn't shop for a lawyer that way. No. You know, you wouldn't buy a house that way. So why buy your, why buy your electrical system that way? I, I think that the market has, you know, our advertising has been so focused on saving money that we, it's almost like we've trained the customers too much to be thinking about this in terms of saving money. When in reality, the customer should be thinking more about 
you know, their grid independence, uh, you know, against blackouts, the, you know, uh, hedging against inflation, um, deciding to raise the value of their home thousands of dollars versus just paying the utility. So yeah, saving money is great, but I mean, we can all save money in our lives if we want to change our lifestyle. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I don't think 50 bucks a month really excites people very much. I think knowing that you have your own energy system and independence and now with EVs coming into play onto the market, like, you know, it's not the gas station, it's your, your house where you're going to be charging up. So I, I think that the, the whole saving money, yes, it's important, but it's not going to be the centerpiece of the conversation going forward, unless you're talking about hedging inflation. Um, so, you know, with NEM 3.0 on the horizon here, well, not on the horizon, it's, it's here. Um, and of course, you know, with all of the other states that, you know, have uh, not ideal net metering policies, you know, these, these batteries are obviously the, the centerpiece, I feel, of the discussion moving forward. And there's a big debate, uh, not a debate, but a conversation uh, about, you know, AC versus DC coupled batteries. Um, and I'm just, I'm, you know, I myself am trying to learn just as much about the different options. And that's why I'm here to talk with all the manufacturers. But I'm curious if you've seen any, um, you know, really great new battery features or any products that you feel have a distinct advantage. And then also, you know, if you can just touch on the AC versus DC coupled uh, uh, architectures. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I think that, first off, let me say that I think that people get very religious about this. Yeah. This, this, this topic. You know, they're DC-coupled people, and they are DC-coupled people. They don't want to hear about anything else. It's more efficient yeah. off-grid. And that's true. DC-coupled is more efficient off-grid. Yeah. You know, on the AC-coupled side, it's, it's, it's all about interoperability and clean, clean, of in, you know, clean install and, and retrofit. And so, and so that's true as well, right? An AC-coupled battery install is generally a cleaner install that can be done at, you know, 100% at ground level without changing the roof, which is also great if somebody already has solar and wants to add battery backup. And they don't want to void the warranty on their existing solar panels or their existing inverter, but they want to add a battery. Mm -hmm. AC coupling is a great way to do that because you can just hook it to the, the breaker panel. You don't actually have to touch the solar or the existing solar inverter. So there, there, there's pros and cons of each. Um, you know, I happen to offer many great products, and I, yeah. I would say there, there's great products on both sides. Uh, on the DC coupled side, I would say the top brands right now are Solar Edge, Generac, Solark, and, and uh, Canadian Solar with their new battery. Um, on the AC coupled side, you know, Tesla Powerwall is probably the most popular one that's mm -hmm. out there, Tesla Powerwall too. Yeah. But you also have great competitors like Franklin and Enphase that yeah. have solid products. So, you know, I, I do a lot of these videos where I do comparing, you know, this battery versus this battery. And a lot of times I get the question, well, which one's better? Which one's better? And, and, and the answer really is it, it depends. Yeah. You know, it depends on what your situation is, what your requirements are. Um, so, like, for example, if, if you need really high surge power for whole house backup with mm -hmm. central air conditioning, well, a Franklin battery, which is bigger and higher surge power, might be a better fit. And that's your, a 10 kilowatt output, correct? Uh, for the surge? 10 kilowatt surge per battery. Right? Yeah. So if you do three batteries I mean, for a whole house, you, that, that's I mean, 30 kilowatts, you know. I mean, like an Enphase battery is 3.7 kilowatt output with like a five right, yes. kilowatt surge. Right. So, right. I mean, that's already twice as much. Right. Right. So I think that, and, and that's, that is like, 
one of the unique selling points that Franklin will lead with is yeah. highest surge power for 10 seconds, which is enough to get your air conditioning yeah. going without a soft start. And for that for that application, that you know, in a lot of cases, that may be the best battery. Yeah. Um, I'm very uh, excited about the Franklin battery. Yeah, no, yeah. We, we like we like the, the Franklin product. We've done, uh, I mean, we've done a lot of N-phase batteries as well. We've done a lot of Tesla Powerwalls. Not so much in the past year, but if I look at like the yeah. past four or five years, we've probably done as many Tesla Powerwalls yeah. as either of those brands as well. Um, but I but I try not to be too religious about it. I try to really take it on a case by case basis. Um, at the end of the day. You know, we, we offer just about all those products you know, yeah. through our various installers. We, we offer all those products. I know a lot of times people will say, oh, you must work for Enphase because you're yeah. bashing Tesla. I hear that. I hear that often. <laughs> or, you know, but the, I don't work for any of these companies. Yeah. I like to cover the products because I think they're exciting products. And, and just like a lot of you out there in the audience, you know, I want to know what, what, what features are coming out and how the product is evolving. Yeah. But I know this has been kind of a roundabout answer, uh, Julie. And I think the answer, though, is really it depends on your situation. If you're talking about a purely off-grid system, yes, DC coupled is definitely more efficient for purely off-grid. Once, once electric vehicles and solar inverters have tight integration, I think there's also going to be some efficiency to be gained in a, in a, a pure DC coupled architecture where you can go straight DC from solar to the vehicle battery or to the home battery and then only invert what you need for the rest of the house. I do see some, some advantages there. But I don't, I don't see AC coupling going away. I think especially the retrofit market, there's, yeah. there's millions of solar homes out there right now. 85% of them don't have any storage at all. Yep. And those that are looking to add storage are more likely going to go with an AC coupled solution, I would imagine. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, uh, I'm very interested to see kind of what becomes the, uh, the, the, the main choice moving forward, you know, because I feel like the microinverters, you know, Enphase, They've really ruled the uh, just grid tied without storage uh, system for the last several years, um, but I'm interested to see if, if they can keep up, you know, with the the slightly lower power output, you know, that some of these DC batteries have. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how these really are working. Uh, you know, you you actually have more battery installations and projects working, you know, than I do, so. Um, I am interested to see kind of how this all plays out. Yeah, I, I am too. And and the technology is changing every year Constantly. too. So Enphase is about to release their third generation battery. Yep. So we're going to be having more on that. I actually, they, they invited me to come out to their, their facility in California in June to get some hands-on with, yeah. with the new generation battery. So I'm, I'm yeah. excited to see what they've come up with. I, ha I heard some rumors about it. It's pretty exciting. So I'm hoping that they can deliver on some of these numbers. I hope so too. Yeah, um, but this means you know it's it's another it's another new product. We'll see how that fits into the competitive landscape. Um, obviously, Solar Edge has got their battery because because of their their footprint. I think it has to be taken seriously, just like Enphase. I mean, they they both both of them have huge install bases. So when they release a a, a branded battery as part of their their ecosystem, that battery is going to get attention, and and a lot of homeowners may choose to just keep everything under one brand. So. I think you're going to probably see a lot of depl deployments on both sides. Yeah, I think a lot of contractors and uh, they're going to want to avoid having to set up different apps to monitor system production versus storage. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, because that's the case right now with mixing and matching different right. products. Like even even if you have like Enphase and Tesla, right? It's it's like two different apps. You you have the Enlighten and then you have the Tesla app. Right. So it's integrations an issue with these uh, manufacturers, obviously. So yeah, I think a lot of contractors are gonna opt towards 
going with just one all-in-one branded system. I, I do think from a from an ease of service ability and an ease of monitoring for the homeowner, having everything under one one app, there is a lot of convenience there. Um, the, the one that the one that I would say where we see that they, they have a good brand following that doesn't care about separate apps is with Franklin. Uh, we do see a lot of homeowners that are asking for the Franklin battery specifically by name. And I think it boils down to the, what you mentioned, just, just the higher surge power. You know, if you just yeah. want the most powerful battery that you can add on to just about any solar system, for right now, pretty much Franklin's got it. I mean, I spent about 45 minutes talking with the, uh, the, the engineer, uh, one of the engineers at their booth here, uh, and I, he has me pretty uh, convinced that it's worth uh, giving a shot to mm -hmm. and seeing how they actually you know, uh, work in, in, in reality because the numbers are very, very impressive. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, we, we've we've put about uh, about 15 total Franklin systems out. Just we just commissioned another one last week in Texas. Um, so again, I I don't promote the brand necessarily, but it's it's just one of those products that we have in the portfolio that in certain applications, specifically whole house backup with central air conditioning, we find it's a really good fit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'm and I'm excited to see what all these uh, the new generations because I you know all the. All the manufacturers are coming out with the new generation here pretty soon mm -hmm. of their batteries. So, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. So what else is going on out there? I guess um, bi-directional EV charging is another one that at least we're talking about it now. And yeah. Phase made some big news a couple months ago when they announced yeah. their, their bi-directional EV. What, what do you think about all that? Well, I mean, if you look at just like the capacity of, uh, you know, an electric vehicle versus the capacity of a home battery, I mean, like... Uh, you know, a Tesla Model 3 is, uh, you know, around 70 kilowatt hours or something like that, depending, or 75, depending yeah. upon the model you get. So, I mean, we're talking about oftentimes 10 kilowatt hour battery packs. So if you just talk, look at it that in terms of how much capacity your, you know, the, the car has versus your home battery, oftentimes your car is going to have four or five, six times the capacity, um, sometimes even more. So, um, you know, it's funny because unless you are dealing with constant blackouts, I don't think that the car is really going to come into play because it's not like you're always going to just casually have your car at home for the perfect peak arbitrage timing. You know, you're going to be out doing stuff. Right, right. You know, so at first I thought this is going to replace the need for the home battery, but as time goes on, I'm realizing that you, you, you probably won't be able to rely. It's a cool feature, but I don't think it's going to like replace the need for your own storage at home. Um, but I'm excited to have the ability to, uh, you know, plug your car in and power your house. I mean, that's yeah. very cool. Yeah, no, I think I think it's a good option to have. I think you're right, though. For California, we're, we're using the battery for rate arbitrage. That means, you know, you, you charge the battery when it's cheap, you sell it back to the grid when, when you can get a good, a good payback for it. Yeah. You know, the car battery is not really great for that application. The average homeowner is not just home at 4 o'clock. Right. They're, you know picking up their kids from practice or shopping or, you know, so it's great. Uh, but it, it's not going to be what people rely on, I think. Yeah. I mean, I guess for me, you know, being more of like a emergency preparedness type guy. So what I think about is like, okay, like if I'm, if I'm going into like a shelter in place mode, if I know there's going to be a snowstorm yeah. and we're like, okay, come home from work, we're going to shelter in place. Everybody's going to, we're just going to, prepare to, to be stuck at home for a few days. Mm -hmm. In that case, if maybe I, if I couldn't afford a home battery, I would certainly like to be able oh, to yeah. just plug my vehicle battery in. And, oh, by all means. You know, it's great. Um, 
so yeah, really exciting. I, I yeah. plan to put one in, uh, you know, for what it's worth. I, I plan to put in one of the bi-directional chargers once yeah. they're available uh, and at least have that option available, um, hoping that the electric vehicle manufacturer will support, you know, support that, that export functionality. Yeah. But uh, I guess we'll see. Time will tell. We're yeah. probably, realistically, probably about a year out until I have that in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I have an, an, another question. So sure. I am curious... With, uh, you know, another big kind of topic that's been going on right now, of course, is all the interest rates skyrocketing, mm -hmm. literally two to three times higher than they were, you know, six to nine months ago. And um, there's a lot of talk about, like, PPAs, you know, power purchase agreements and leases becoming a little bit more popular again, um, you know, as people maybe are hesitant to, you know, take on a higher interest rate. Have there been any... Uh, PPA leases that you've seen come onto the market that aren't like as uh, how do I say this as predatory maybe in like their potential buyout um, option. Is yeah. there anything that's interesting that you've seen, or are we still pretty much still with higher interest rates, still in a scenario where like ninety nine percent of the time it, it's still going to make sense to buy? What do you think about that? Well, I, I really appreciate the question, and this is actually a question that I'm trying to get answered for myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm not the best guy to, to, to answer about leases because, you know, uh, full transparency, Solar Search has never done a single lease project. We, we do financed ownership, you know, loans. Yeah, I have, I, we avoid them as well because we know that they're, they're not really for the customer. It's, right. It's for the financing company <laughs> to right. make the money. Right, right, yeah. and that—that's kind of what I've heard about it. Just high level was, you know, when interest rates were lower, you could you could sell a system with a huge sales commission. You get a low monthly payment for the homeowner, and then the finance company makes out as well. Yeah, I, that's the basics. I understand. I also understand there's some advantage if you can't take advantage of the tax credit, that you know you might get a better return with a lease system versus uh, a purchase system with, with financing. But what I'm seeing more of. And what I'm really leaning towards as far as how to structure these finance deals, if you don't want to just purchase the system outright, is just acknowledge that you're going to pay a higher interest rate. In fact, why don't we just get into this? Because you, you do a great job with this type of content. Like, hey, let me show you how this really works. The way solar financing has worked over the past few years, these artificially low interest rates that were being offered with the solar systems, those were bought down rates. Exactly. Now, anybody that comes from mortgage uh, industry or auto industry, you know what that means. It yeah. means you pay points at the time of sale to buy down the interest rate so you can yeah. present a more attractive interest rate to the homeowner. So, if, I mean, think about it, Julian. If you're having to pay 5 or 6% interest mortgage uh, for your home mortgage, how should you be able to finance a solar system for 2% interest where there's no collateral? Does that make any sense? No. So, how does it really work? So... Maybe it's not like this right now in the car market, but like five, six years ago, you know how they, they'd be like, you can take this $5,000, you know, rebate, or you can get the 0% financing, but you can't take both. Uh, well, that, that's exactly what we're, we're talking about here. I mean, if you're, if you're going to have 0% financing, you're going to pay five grand more for the car, right? Because they have to make their money somehow. Right. So it's that, that's the same exact thing with, with solar financing. Let's say your, your cash project is 30 grand. And if you want to finance that at nine or 10%, you finance your 30 grand and just pay your monthly interest. But, you know, most of these solar loans, like 95% of them are all structured with this buy down rate where you're not financing 30 grand, you're financing 30 grand plus 15 to 30%. And so, you know, now you're, you're talking about financing, call it 38 grand, and the bank just takes the 38 grand off the top in exchange for you getting your interest rate lowered to 
you know, whatever it is now, 3%, 4%. used to be like 1% or 0%. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but you're paying several thousand dollars yeah. at closing or you're, or you're borrowing a larger amount, which a certain percentage of that just gets taken and paid straight to the finance company yeah. before the contractor gets paid. Yeah, the contractor still just gets their 30. Right, exactly. The bank has taken the eight. The bank has taken the eight right off the top. So, so, you, so even if you pay out off early, you're yeah. not, not going to get that eight back. Yeah, so basically the way that this uh, financial engineering has been done is they will work it out to where oftentimes your payment with the buy-down does become a little bit less. You know, maybe it does save you an extra 30, 40, 50 bucks a month. But if you want to get out of it before year 25 or whenever it's over or 20, or, you know, you, you're, you're giving them the full amount. Uh, all 38 versus if you take the 10% or the 9% rate, your principal at that, it's only 30 grand that your principal was. So, um, you know, the average person's going to pay off their solar loan way before the term. You know, at wh whether they're moving, they get a little cash and they just want to get rid of their payment. Um, you know, they want to pay it off so they don't have to pay more interest. There's multiple reasons why. And so nine times out of 10, you know, the bank is going to make more money if you do the buy down, even though it's appearing to look better in the beginning. Right. So a lot, a lot of the, you know, a lot of my sales or consulting really is not even about the solar. Yes, we obviously need to get the right solar system for you, but the financing conversation is sometimes just as long as the solar conversation because, I mean, you're not just buying a solar system; you're also going into business with a financing arm as well. And uh, there's a hundred different options there too. And I've seen people get great deals on their solar and then get, you know, wrecked on the financing basically. Right. So you have to have both. Uh, you have to understand both and be able to explain both. Yeah. Both ways. Here's the best way I can summarize it with what's going on right now. Interest rates are higher now than they have been. That's a reality. If I were to go buy a house right now and get a mortgage, I'm going to probably have to pay six and a half or 7% interest on the mortgage. I'm also probably going to have to pay five to $8,000 of closing costs, which on a percentage basis, if you consider the price of the house, on a percentage basis, it's not that bad. It's right, maybe 3% you know, of the total transaction yeah. amount. If you're going to finance a solar system, you should expect to pay similar interest rates, six and a half, seven percent 7%, and there's going to be a small amount of closing costs to pay to get the loan going. Okay, somebody's got to pay for the people that process the credit applications. Yep. They process, they do all the title work. There's there's work that is done to set up a loan. Yep. So if anybody tells you it's no closing costs, what they mean is I'm adding the closing costs into your loan amount so I can tell you it's no closing costs. The reality is there's a cost to originate a loan. Mm -hmm. That's just reality. There's people whose job it is is to originate loans. There's people whose job it is to underwrite the loans. Yep. Right. And so those people have to get paid for their time and energy. So expect that there's going to be a little bit of fees, but if you want to do what I would consider the, the, the fairest financing deal that's available right now, expect to pay six to seven percent interest. Expect to pay maybe a thousand or fifteen hundred of closing costs just to get all that paperwork processed, and then it's on you whether you want to keep that loan long term or, or, or short term. If you want to yeah. pay it off early, great. You're paying off a much lower amount. If you decide to keep it long term, you're paying more interest, but you're paying interest on a much smaller amount, and that's that's the way I I, I explain it. That sounds pretty good, six, seven percent in today's world. So, yeah. With with a thousand dollars like fee basically. Yeah, I mean that's, that sounds what, pretty good to me. What I'm seeing for an average size <laughs> California home, if you want to finance at six to seven percent interest, you're gonna pay about fifteen hundred dollars of closing cost or origination fee, whatever you wanna call it. 
You're going to pay about fifteen hundred bucks of origination fee to get the loan set up. Are, and are you saying that that's that's what the the interest rates are for the average solar loan as well, or just for for mortgages? No, 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 for for solar. I mean, that, that's what I'm seeing. Like the the, you the loan that I use most frequently right now for California is is the, the dividend twenty five year six point four nine. And it has a the, the the fee is. I mean, the the fee is going to be dependent on the size of the project. But if you take yeah. a typical size project, like a thirty thousand dollar project, yeah, that's about where you're really. Yeah, it's really good financing. Actually, that's that's yeah. really good. Now again, don't take it to the bank because by the time this video publishes, yeah, it's going to be different. We could have gotten yeah. another email that said the fees went up again. Yeah, look at the but, date of when this video is uploaded, and then take that into consideration when talking with us. But <laughs> but um, but that that's kind of where I you know. The way I, I look at it is like, look, if, if if you know what the rates are to mortgage a home, that's that's the kind of rate you should expect for solar. If you, it's not going to be see, lower. Yeah, it's not going to be lower. If yeah. you see an artificially low rate, like three percent or four percent, you can pretty much guarantee you're paying points, or somehow you're being you're you're paying a higher price to get that lower rate. And if and if you as a homeowner, like let's say you are being offered, you know, a, a financing plan, and you, you know you're not really sure if that's the real price, you know, I would I would commonly recommend people ask what the cash price of the project is to that sales rep. And if they don't want to admit to you that, you know, there isn't another cash price, ask them for the cash discount because that'll be their workaround to give you that lower price. Mm. Um, that's a really, I, people call me all the time and they're like, I have four offers in front of me and I don't understand the financing because I feel like all of the, the people were kind of speaking or, you know, beating around the bush, you know, and they weren't really giving me like the concrete facts about the loan. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, a lot of lot of stuff out there, um, but I think it's one one question that you want to make sure you ask during the sales process is, you know, do you plan on keeping this loan long term, or do you do you think you're probably going to sell the house within five or ten years, like most people do? Yeah, because that's the only time I think it ever makes sense to really pay those high closing costs or, or the buy downs, the aggressive rate buy downs. If you're never going to sell, is if you're going to you're in your forever house and you're, yeah. and you're never going to sell. Exactly. You know, and you're never going to pay off early. Yeah. And you want to maximize the tax credit because yeah. you'll get 30% of the feedback. Right. So, right. yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope that they do come down eventually. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's even more crucial now for us to, like, make sure we understand the plans and mm. guide people in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, folks, that pretty much does it for today's podcast. Again, Julian Todd Borden here. Um, another solar expert. Again, you'll, you'll see him on YouTube. Check out his YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. And uh, Julian, really appreciate your time. Look forward to working yeah. with you. Yeah, thanks so much, Joe. If, uh, if anyone has any questions, you can feel free to call me, 760-473-5878. It's my cell. Um, call or text me, and uh, I'll do my best to help you out um, if you'd like to work with me.